Good morning and welcome to our Daily Word and Prayer this Friday morning, July 16th. I'm so glad to have you along and a special welcome to anyone who's here for the first time today. I hope you'll subscribe and hit the notify button, share this with your friends, like it, leave a comment, tell me where you're from. And to those back day by day, so glad to have you along with us. We believe that getting in the Word of God every day makes a difference in our life. And so I'm glad you're here day by day. We've been discussing and talking and learning about worldviews. And the prominent, most prominent worldviews in our world today are Marxism, secular humanism, and Christianity. And we've been talking and discussing worldview tells us where we came from, our origin, what is our purpose. It tries to define what's wrong with our world. And today we want to talk about the various worldviews and how they think things should be fixed. Remember, we'll start with Marxism, because remember, Marxism, they think the problem is systems, power systems, power structures. People are neither good nor bad. People are morally neutral. It's the power structure that makes them do good or bad things. And so in Marxism, what's the answer? Change the structure. If things aren't going well, if there's a problem in the world, and there is, Change the structure. Have a revolution. Rise up against the, against the bourgeois. Let the proletariat, the oppressed of the world, let them become the leaders. And so this is what, and by the way, this is what we see happening in America. This Marxism, this rise of Marxism, socialism, communism, it's out there. It's, it's public. And a belief that the oppressed need to rise up and change the power structures, the systems. Talking about when, when terms like systemic racism are used or systemic oppression or, or, or environmental injustice or the need for social justice. These are all work into the Marxist worldview that the answer, the problem is power structures and the answer is change the power structure. Throw off the oppressive and let the oppressed become the leaders. The second one is secular humanism, the second worldview, secular humanism. Secular humanism exalts knowledge, but it exalts knowledge without God. Secular humanism believes there is no God, practically speaking. They say if you want to believe in one, fine, just don't bring it into the school, don't bring it into your life, leave it in Sunday morning on church and nowhere else. All right. This was what was behind the professor who years ago told me, uh, not on my turf. Don't bring your Christianity into the university. Not, not here. This is his turf, he said. And he told me you could say it every you want on a Sunday morning in your church. But you, this is my turf. This university belongs to me, to us humanists. And you don't bring that here. That's secular humanism. Rejects a knowledge of God. Rejects faith in God. It only believes in the, in, the, in the material world. And again, secular humanism, while offering or saying that we're make, claiming, the great, claiming the credit for great advances in research, knowledge, and technology, and things of this nature, at the same time, rejects any moral standard of God. And at the heart of secular humanism, we determine our own morality. And secular humanism gave us the sexual revolution, and it's given us with it the adjacent evils and, and, and pain and hurt that comes from that. We know secular humanism is destined to fail because Proverbs 1 verse 7 tells us that 
The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. If there's not a fear of God in your knowledge, if there's not a respect and honor and acknowledgement of God, your, your knowledge and your wisdom is going to be terribly tainted and misguided. In fact, in Romans chapter 1, as we see the judgment upon a culture, upon a society, the people who would not honor God as God, they began then to follow idols and make their own idols. God gave them over to sexual immorality, to sexual depravity and degrading their own bodies. And the, the third step in the destruction of a culture and society is, is found in Romans 1 verse 28. It says, and just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, or see fit to have God in knowledge, literally, any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are in, uh, that are not proper. If I could illustrate this over here, this is what this would look like, and this is what our education is like today, that we have a circle of knowledge and inside the circle of knowledge, people have science, mathematics, uh, the arts, uh, the business, all these different fields of study. And where does God belong? God is outside the circle of knowledge. God's not included in what we consider to be truth. God's only in the matter of opinion. He's left outside of knowledge, and as a result, as a result, Romans 1 verse 28 tells us that we were given over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper. And this is what secular humanism has given us, and this is what our universities have given us. A way of life, a way of knowledge, a way of research. The universities today, it's such a, it's such a confusing thing that all this research, all this knowledge, all the, the big libraries, the technology, the, 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 the information there, and some of these labs and so on, they do tremendous work, and, they've, and we appreciate the work they've done in medical research or technological research and so many areas where we appreciate what they've done, but they're morally bankrupt. And, and young people who go to these colleges, they learn how to increase our standard of living by giving us new technologies or come out making bukus of money because they've solved some major problem with the physical world or health or technology or whatever. But morally, they've been corrupted. Morally, they've, 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 they've engaged in lifestyle that affect their entire life. Why? Because they have, they've lost the fear of God. They put God outside of knowledge. This is what secular humanism will do. And it's kind of like Lot, when Lot went to Sodom. Why did he choose? Remember what happened there. The, the flocks of Abraham and the flocks of Lot, his nephew, they were getting too big. And the herdsmen were arguing because they would bring the, the, the flocks to the watering holes, and there wasn't enough, and they were, they were arguing and fighting with one another. And Abraham said, we're, we're friends, we're relatives, you're my nephew, let's not fight you choose where you want to go. If you want to go to the east, I'll go to the west. You want to go to the west, I'll go to the east. And Lot chose where the, the lush, wealthy place was, and it was called Sodom. 
and Gomorrah. And he went to where he could prosper financially. And he got ahead, and he did. But his soul was corrupted in the process. He lost his family, and he lost his wife in the process. His own children. He, you know, he offered them up to a, a, a sick mob of men, his own two daughters. And finally, they committed incest with him. What a, what, he was so corrupted because he put the pursuit of his money ahead of any moral values. He chose the where he could water his flocks without any sense of moral values. And indeed, this is what our universities have become, by and large. It's really, really hard for a, a, a young person to go into university without being corrupted. They can come out, certain majors, come out making a lot of money. It's really hard to come out not having been morally corrupted at a very deep level. And then there's this third worldview, and that is the worldview of Christianity. The worldview of Christianity. In Christianity, again, what is the problem? Humanity is in a rebellion against God. That's the problem. We've turned against the Almighty. God had created a good world, a wonderful place, a Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve rebelled. They were cast out of the garden. We've been part of the rebellion ever since. And the rebellion has with it the, that's the problem. The way we treat one another, wars, famines, poverty, breakup of relationships, on and on. The, what's the problem? The problem is that we're in the domain of darkness. We're in the rebellion against God and His way. And indeed, our new leader in the domain of darkness, we're under the domain of the evil one, and it's not good. What's the answer? 2 Corinthians 5.19, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting our trespasses against us. God brings us back into his kingdom through Jesus Christ. God brings us back into relationship with him through Jesus Christ. We are reconciled. We have peace with God. But it's not just, you know, we get forgiven and get to go to heaven. We've entered into a new kingdom now. Jesus came proclaiming the kingdom of God. Paul proclaimed the kingdom of God. They proclaimed this is a way to get back the, right with God, the way life is meant to be lived. This is what our solution is. This is what our Christian worldview says. The problem, we're alienated from God. The solution, get right with God through faith in Jesus Christ. But so often as Christians, we've had a very anemic, inadequate understanding of salvation. We think it just is a just little personal thing that I have that no matter how terrible my life is, now I get to go to heaven one day. No, my friends, the Christian faith is far more robust. The Christian faith is all-encompassing. The Christian faith, we enter the kingdom of God. We're citizens of heaven now. We live a different life. We make a difference in this world. And I would like to say that I would put up the, the, the fruit, the, the effect of our Christian worldview and its effect upon our world against any other worldview. I'd put up what we have done as Christians historically to do more good for more people than ever. Oh, yes, I've heard of the Crusades and our, we've, we've had our negative stuff as well. Yes. But you put up what we've done in terms of educating people, freedom, uh, liberty, progress in, in standards of living, human rights, human dignity, 
standing for the, the oppressed. You want to say who's helped the oppressed? It's been the Christians who've helped the oppressed, not a bunch of atheists and Marxists. You look at what we have done, building hospitals, health care. You look at what we've done in terms of reconciling families and building good, stable families that raise good, stable individuals, productive individuals. You look at what we have done in, a, in dozens of areas, and I would put up our track record as Christians against the failed Marxism that has left in its wake in just the last 104 years since it, we had the first Marxist state in the Soviet Union of tens of millions, way over 100 million people murdered, slaughtered in the name of bringing equality and equity into the world. I'd put up our track record against the secular humanists and their, their sexual revolution, which has brought tens of millions of abortions, that has brought the, the breakdown of the family, the, the pain that's caused by, by uh, rejection and, and, and infidelity, the pain that's caused by the STDs that have uh, just grown exponentially in our lifetime. I'd put up our track record against theirs. Brothers and sisters, we have the answers, and we have nothing to be ashamed of. The people out calling for social justice, their track record isn't a very good one. The people out calling for, for just knowledge without God, their track record is not a good one. We have done well. We have seen lives restored, lives made whole, families made whole, communities made whole. We have provided churches made whole. Now, we've got our problems. I don't doubt it. And we better get our own act together in some of these areas, and we better be more active than we've been because we have embraced this spiritual piety whereby we leave our Christianity behind a church or, or all we think of as evangelism and nothing beyond evangelism. We don't understand discipleship as really encompassing all of life. We need to get back to some of these basics. But let me tell you, we have nothing to be ashamed of because our worldview and our, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and those who follow him, we have the answers. We have the best answers. We have the ones that have worked. I'd put our track record up against any Marxist. I'd put up our track record against any humanist. They can look at us. We have been the dominant effect here in Western, in the Western world. This is why we've progressed so wonderfully. This is why we have solved so many problems and answered, provided so many things for so many people. We have provided a better way of life for more people than any other system, any other worldview in the history of the world. And so we're being attacked. And because we're not perfect, there are flaws. The, the humanists, the Marxists, they point out those flaws and exaggerate them. But let me tell you, we have the best answer, and we need to proclaim it. We need to stand up and be heard because these other ways, Marxism, humanism, they lead to misery. They lead to defeat. They lead to tyranny. They lead to a, a destruction of who we are as human beings. And so we have the answer. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the one whom God sent to reconcile people to God. If we don't get reconciled to God, all if we don't come back to God, if we don't have our proper relationship between us and the Almighty, any other answer will fail 
and fail miserably. Father in heaven, we thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for sending him to this earth, the Son of God, to be the Savior of the world. Jesus, you have reconciled us to the Father. You have provided a way of salvation that all of our good works, all of our human ingenuity, all of our own human wisdom, all of our knowledge, all of our research, all of our hopes and dreams could never accomplish because it was only you who shed your blood to take away our sins, to pay for our sins. It was only you who enabled us to enter into the kingdom of God and to escape the domain of darkness. It's only you who could put an individual on the path of life and take them off the path of destruction. And Jesus, just like you, have done that with individuals, and we pray for more and more people to be saved, to get on the path of life, to follow you, to be reconciled to the Father. We thank you that you can put whole families on the path of life. You can put whole communities on the path of life. We believe you can put nations on the path of life. Oh, God as our nation is in an intense struggle of various worldviews, whether it's a cultural revolution, whatever it is, Lord, we, we know that our country is, there's a battle. Will we go the way of Marxism? Will we go the way, we've, we've already gone so far down the path of secular humanism. Will we embrace fully the sexual revolution? Will we embrace fully uh, the, these change of the structure of the system and think that would change the human being, that if we just changed the system somehow, we'd all become morally good. We believe, Jesus, we believe that we need to be born again. People need to be born again. People need salvation. You came to save us. You are the Messiah, the Savior of the world. We exalt you. We praise you. We glorify you. We remind ourselves you're the answer. Lord, we do not believe the answer is found in government or education or any other thing. We believe the answer is found in Jesus. And as those of us who follow you take the salt and salt of the, become the salt of the world and the light of the world, and we take our Christianity into the government, we take our Christianity into the education, into the business world, into the entertainment world, into our churches, into our families. We take the light of Christ everywhere. And like leaven that leavens the whole lump, that your goodness would leaven all everything. This we pray for. This we ask for. Fill us with courage and boldness and strength. Raise up leaders in our world, Lord. People who love God, followers of Christ, who will become leaders in every institution in our culture, we pray. Lord, this is how we see goodness coming. This is how we see fixing the problem. And we thank you, Lord. We know ultimately it's not going to get fixed till you return and you reign, King of kings, Lord of lords. You establish your kingdom here on earth. And we pray for that. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Oh, we pray. Come quickly, Lord Jesus, we ask. Take this day and use us for your glory. Fill us with your spirit, the joy of the Lord, wisdom. Help us be shrewd as serpents, innocent as doves this very day. Use us for your glory, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 and amen. Hey, God bless you. This is an important message today. Let's not fall for false answers that promise freedom but deliver corruption. Let's exalt and lift up the true answer in Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining with me. 
This is an important message today. You might share it with your friends, pass it on, post it on your social media, copy the link and send it in an email to your people. Encourage your pastor to listen to it. It's an important message, and I pray that we will embrace this. This is the answer, and uh, let's pass it on. God bless you. Have a great day today, this Friday, and we'll see you tomorrow morning, Saturday. Join me. We usually have a smaller group on Saturday, but we'll share a good story about taking God's Word to the turf, and it'll be an encouraging time. So see you tomorrow. Have a great day today. God bless you. Bye-bye.